Hey, I'm Sheena, former miserable corporate attorney turned full-time calligrapher and creative entrepreneur. I used to feel like I was living my life for other people, and now I am more true to myself than ever. And each week, I'm sharing a short but powerful lesson that I've learned on that journey. So if you're looking for a way to get more creativity and possibility into your life, you're so in the right place. Let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Sheena Show. So for today's show, I am going to share with you a Facebook Live that I did for all of my calligraphy students, um, my alumni actually, who so many of them have gotten amazing calligraphy skills, they're continuing to grow their skills and develop their styles, um, but so many of them are actually getting into calligraphy business. Um, they're starting to think about, okay, what do I want to sell? What do I want to focus on? Or they've started their businesses. And I find that what so many of my students run into, and probably you too, if you're listening to this podcast, um, is that they find the legal aspect of business so intimidating. So getting your business legal, the right format, contracts, um, all of those things. So I actually put out a call to my students for, hey, if there are any kind of legal related business questions, I would like to answer them for you. Um, let me know if you have any. And my students came up with some really good ones. So I wanted to share this live with you all because what came out of it was a really important distinction of law in theory versus law in practice. And you'll hear that in the live, but what I wanna share with you is that it is not as scary as it sounds. The legal stuff is not as scary as it seems in theory, and it's very figure outable. And it just, I hope this reframe really helps you if you are thinking about starting a business or if you have a business and you really wanna grow it, I hope it, helps reframe this whole thing and just make it seem not quite as intimidating. So um, yeah, these are the students um, in my calligraphy courses and my pro calligrapher bundle, where I teach you how to do calligraphy from the very beginning and you know all the way up through building a business. And I give you resources to support you with that. So if that's something that you're interested in, that sounds um, fun to you, like something you absolutely want to do, maybe after listening to this podcast and hearing how possible it is, um, just send me a DM over on Instagram, Crooked Calligraphy. Shoot me a DM, ask me about it. I'm happy to talk with you. It'll be me, myself. Um, I'm happy to ask, uh, answer any questions you have about it. Um, okay, so uh, I am actually... <laughs> recording this little intro really early in the morning because uh we're having solar panels installed on our house today and guys are about to start stomping on the roof so <laughs> wanted to get this podcast episode out for you this week all right let's go to the live um i am going to answer some of the really good business legal related questions that y'all have posted inside the group um and this, honestly, I got the idea to do this impromptu because I know that the legal aspects of starting a business can be some of the most intimidating and off-putting to people. I know that when I first started my business, 
the legal stuff worried me the most. And I was a goddamn corporate lawyer. So <laughs> I don't know if it's because I was a lawyer that I kind of knew too much and had and worried more. But I've heard from so many of you that actually this kind of stuff, it's it's stopping many people from going into business because it just feels like the legal stuff can be really overwhelming and hard to figure out. So I got um, some great questions from you all, um, stuff that you'd like me to cover, stuff like, when do we need a contract? How do we know if our contracts are actually enforceable? Um, you know, what can we charge as a late fee if a client doesn't pay their invoice on time? And copyright, just copyright in general. <laughs> so um, I'm going to address all these questions, but I first wanted to start off with a distinction. And I'm hoping that this kind of takes some of the scariness away from this whole, all the legal aspects of things. And that is, I want you to think about law in theory versus law in practice. Okay. So I'm going to break this down a little bit more, but just know that law in theory feels a lot more scary than what it actually turns out to be in practice, okay? Um, law in practice is much more about common sense. So, okay, let me give you an example. And I think that hopefully this makes the kind of getting your business up and running legally part a little less intimidating. So in theory, you can go in and read all the rules and regulations about you need this permit and that and you need to pay this, you know, fee and go to this office and it all can seem really daunting and scary. But in practice, what actually happens is that even if you miss one of these filings or permits or whatever, really the worst that happens is that you get a fine. You get like some sort of, hey, you didn't pay this on time, you have to pay a little extra. Um, and as long as you have made a like good faith effort, a reasonable effort to kind of figure out, you know, all the things that you need to do. Um, and a lot of local, you know, municipalities, townships, cities have bureaus that are specifically dedicated to helping people start small businesses. So you can use those resources. And as long as you're making a good faith effort, you'll get like a notice in the mail or something at, with a, hey, you were a little bit late on this, you know, here's a late fee. That's typically the worst that happens. So I know in theory, right, if you read the law, it's like, if you don't do this and this and that, like, you'll get all sorts of late fees, and you might go to jail and people are like, Oh, that's so scary. But in reality, you know, governments want small businesses. So they make it, they try to put resources out there to help people. And, you know, usually the worst that happens is a late fee. Okay, so I hope you're kind of that's one example of law in theory, and law in practice. Okay, so let's get into some of the questions that you all asked. And I'll kind of, you know, continue to make this distinction. So first is like, 
When do we need a contract? What should be on the contract? What's the best way to protect ourselves? So you need some kind of contract. Oh, okay. And <laughs> I forgot, but let me just give the overall um, disclaimer that I am not a practicing attorney. So this does not constitute legal advice. I just have to say that disclaimer. Um, I'm not your lawyer. Okay. This is just coming from my own experience and my own understanding of the law and um, what I have seen from running my own business. All right. Okay. That disclaimer aside. So when do we need a contract? What should be on it? Okay. I think you need a contract. I mean, as soon as you can. Okay. So let me try and give you some like basic legal education, one on 101. Um, a contract actually is the definition of a contract under law is that someone you offer something to someone and they agree to it. And that's all it requires to take a contract to, to make a contract. So under law, you could make a contract just by saying like, Hey, I, um, offer to make you this custom calligraphy piece and I want you to pay me $20 for it. And then the other person saying, okay, cool. I'll pay you $20 and they pay you $20. So that by itself is a contract under law, but of course it's more helpful if the contract, you know, the more official it gets, the more helpful and specific and enforceable it is. Right. So if you can write down those terms in an email, right, and this is the person, okay, you write down, okay, calligraphy, custom quote, this many words, um, you're going to pay me this much, I'm going to deliver it on this date, on this kind of paper, and then the other person responds to that email, cool, I agree to that, here's the $20. Great. That's already better, right? Or if you can put it, those terms in the invoice that you send over to your client, and they read that invoice and they pay you the money that again, it's in writing, right? So that is already more helpful, right? Than just having an oral agreement. But what is the most helpful is to have like a full, you know, proper written by an attorney contract. But here's the thing. We have to back up even further and think about what is the purpose of this contract. Probably the purpose is not to actually go to court and sue and enforce the contract. I have never done that in my seven years of business. I don't plan on doing it. It's a pain in the ass. I don't want to get involved in that kind of conflict, right? And I'm imagining most of you, that's like totally not your goal either, right? So actually the goal, the main goal of a contract in the case of a calligraphy business, that's, you know, fairly small and starting out and growing. It's not, the goal isn't to be enforceable in court. Cause like, I hope you don't end up there and you probably don't want to end up there and your customers probably don't want to end up there. The goal is to set out clear expectations and boundaries and make it super crystal clear what you are doing what the client is supposed to do, the deadlines, what you're going to deliver, that kind of stuff, 
That is the main purpose of having a contract in your calligraphy business is to lay out those expectations, make it very clear so that if stuff starts to go wrong during the job or project, you can point to that written contract and say, actually, we had agreed that you would send over this information by this date. So since you sent it late, I, you know, I can't deliver my part of it on time. I need some extra time. Right. So you can point to that and really just clarify. That's the point of a contract. So with that in mind, what you put on it is like definitely should be the major terms, the payment, the deadlines, um, what you're going to deliver, maybe like what, you know, the type of ink and paper, the amount right? What you're responsible for, what the client is responsible for, that definitely um, should be on there. And that's the kind of thing that you can include, you know, in an email or in an invoice, like I said before, but a thorough lawyer written contract will also have all sorts of other provisions in it. Like what happens if there's some sort of natural disaster and you can't deliver your part or what happens if the client doesn't pay or, you know, these kinds of things. Um, So, I hope that also answers the second question of like, how can we tell if our contracts, if the contracts that we're using are actually enforceable under the law? You can't really tell that without having a lawyer actually look at it, right? There's all sorts of little tiny nitty gritty things in a contract, right? Um, But again, if the goal is to, you know, your goal is not to use this in court. Your goal is not to have a judge actually look at this, right, and see if it's enforceable. So I I feel like that almost, it matters a little bit less when you think about the overall goal of a contract in business, right? Here's where, like, I hope you're seeing this, but again, law in theory versus law in practice. In theory, you should have a, you know, solid enforceable contract so that if you do end up in court, it's definitely enforceable and the other person has to, you know, Uh, perform according to the contract. In practice, you're probably not going to end up in court. And really, it's just common sense, right? It's the laying out the relationship between you and the client. Okay. Um, Next question that I got was, okay, many businesses, I see that they put in their contracts that if the client pays late, they'll be charged interest or they'll be charged some sort of a late fee, right? And if they pay kind of the later their payment is, the more late fees go on it. So this person asked, you know, for calligraphers, what should that interest be? How can we guarantee or enforce that they will pay? Because, you know, if someone takes, if a client takes months to pay off their balance, like maybe I don't have the cash flow to be able to wait for that payment. Okay. Okay. So first part of the answer is that look up according to where you are. If you're in the U.S., what state you're in. If you're outside of the U.S., what country you're in. Um, Different states, different governments have different laws around this, basically like late invoice fees. Um, Some states say that you can only charge a certain amount per month. Some states say that you have to give a certain grace period before, you know, putting that late fee on. Some states say you can do whatever you want. Um, but definitely look that, just Google it, right? And you can get some basic information. But here's the kind of second part of the answer. And again, this goes into law in theory versus law in practice. 
how can we guarantee or enforce they will pay? You can't, right? That's just kind of how things go. If somebody doesn't pay you and you have a contract in place and you delivered your part of it and they just don't pay you, I mean, the, really all you can do is maybe take them to small claims court, you know, and go in front of the judge and say like a small claims court, uh, just to back up a little bit, it, I th we have it in California. Most states, I think, have something similar. It might be called something a little bit different, but it's basically a you go in front of a judge, but nobody has lawyers. It's small claims, so it's under a certain amount of money. I don't know. It might be $5,000. It might be $10,000. varies by state, but it's a small kind of claims, no attorneys, a little bit more informal. You just go in front of the judge. You present your case. The judge you know, tries to make a decision fairly quickly and decides for one person or the other, okay? But even if you go to small claims court and you take your, you know, your client who hasn't paid you and the judge says, yes, I agree. You delivered what you were supposed to deliver. You had a, a contract. It's enforceable. Um, this client owes you money. Well, then you got to go after that client for the money. The government doesn't do that for you necessarily. You have to kind of enforce what the judge has said they owe you. And if they just don't have that money or if they dodge it or, you know, there's certain things you can do once you have um, an order from a judge saying, hey, this person owes you money. You can maybe um, go to a, I forget what they're called, like a credit collection agency type thing um, and have them try to collect from that person. But look, we don't live in a totalitarian country where, you know, you can force somebody to pay. So there's just no guarantee the, the best you can do is just, you know, do some vetting of your clients ahead of time. See if there's red flags, you know, see if they're, if they're really haggling with you on the price. If they are really late dragging their feet, you know, paying that initial payment, you know, there might, if they're kind of constantly late and kind of complaining about things and, you know, there's just certain red flags that, you learn as you go along in business, like, ah, uh, you know, this might end badly. And you just kind of have to take the lesson. Um, you can't, the only way to guarantee that you get some payment is to take payment in advance. And, you know, a common practice is to take 50% and then 50% upon delivery of the finished product, right? So at least you have some money to cover you. But really, there's no way to force anyone or guarantee that someone will pay you, okay? Um, okay. One last thing I will say about all of that is if you listen to the Sheena show podcast, um, episode, I think it's two seventeen, all about why you need contracts. Um, I go into a little bit more there. Okay. On what you can do to protect yourself. So give that episode a listen. Okay. Final question is, how does copyright work? So if I purchase a worksheet that teaches me how to, you know, make a, draw a bird, and I draw that exact bird on some cards, and then I sell it, is that violating copyright? Uh, what about other, you know, quotes? Can I just write any quotes in calligraphy and sell those? Does that violate copyright? Okay. Copyright 
is a huge topic that I actually want to do a separate Sheena Show podcast episode all about and probably a blog to go along with it. So just stay tuned for that. I will let you guys know when that's available because there's a lot of nuance there. There's just a lot of things to consider and I want, I need more time, you know, to lay it out really thoroughly and helpfully for you guys. What I will say is again, law in theory versus law in practice. In theory, right, if maybe you, some quotes, for example, some song lyrics, some book titles are copyrighted, protected under copyright law. I think right now, and again, this is, there's a lot of nuance here and I'm not a practicing attorney, but my understanding is that it's the life of the author plus 70 years, 70, seven, zero, um, that their stuff is under copyright. But, right, say you write a quote, a song lyric in calligraphy, and it's under copyright. You kind of, in theory, you violated their, you violated copyright. But you have to look at it in practice and use your common sense. What are the chances that you're actually gonna get called out for that or get in trouble, right? And you have to evaluate that risk. And you have to evaluate where you stand personally, morally, when it comes to that. So for example, if you use a, if you draw, you know, Mickey Mouse doing some, you know, terrible criminal act and then put a Disney quote on there and start putting that print up all over Etsy and the internet, probably Disney's going to come after you, right? Disney has lawyers who just that's their entire job is to look for violations of copyright and trademark and send out cease and desist letters right so you know don't do that if you write an obscure song lyric and you sell it to your best friend or your you know cousin's husband as a birthday gift what are the chances that they're going to come after you for that practically zero right so again it's law in theory versus law in practice use your common sense um one thing i will say about this specific question of like there's a worksheet say you know that teaches you how to make a bird and you take that exact bird the way that that worksheet told you taught you how to do it and you put it on cards and you sell it um first thing i would say is read the terms and conditions of that worksheet that you purchased if it's if you're allowed to do that sometimes the worksheet will spell that out Second thing I will say is, if you're in doubt about this, like, make the bird your own. Add something to it. Like, alter it a little bit. Add your own kind of embellishments, your own flair, right? Um, That's the best way to protect yourself from any potential copyright claims. And it probably feels better for you as the creator doing that. Who wants to just take something exact that they saw on a worksheet and do it exactly on a card and sell that? That's like not very creatively fulfilling. But if you can take that bird and just alter it, you know, in enough of a way that it becomes your own, then you can sell that with a clear and happy conscience. Conscience, (laughs) right? So again, it's common sense here. Um, And I hope that kind of overall, this is the message that's coming through, right? Um, So those were the questions that I got. Hopefully this live was helpful to just kind of reframe, right? And give you a different way to think about law and legalities. Um, 
when it comes to copyright, really, like, even if you get caught, what will happen is you get a cease and desist letter. They ask you to stop and you stop and you learn your lesson and you move on and do something a little bit different. It happened to me and I had to make adjustments. Um, it can feel scary in the moment, but really that, you know, as long as you pay attention to that letter and stop doing that, there's nothing kind of worse that probably will happen. Okay. I hope that that live was helpful and it makes the legal aspects just a tiny bit less scary. They're not there to trip you up and to block you from going into business. They're there to protect, right? So if you think about law in theory versus law in practice and use your common sense and do your best, right? And just accept that there are some things that we can control in business, like how we show up. And there are some things that we cannot control in business, like guaranteeing whether a client pays us. You just kind of have to take that as part of it all. And you learn along the way, and there are certain actions you can take and things you can put in place to kind of, you know, protect yourself as much as possible. A contract is one of them, but really, as I've said before, the best protection is you having your own back and you agreeing not to beat yourself up for too long when something goes wrong. Okay. And learning from it instead and growing. All right. Good luck out there with your businesses and your calligraphy. And I hope this was helpful. And I'll see you next time. Oh, you're still here. That's awesome. That means that you like the show, right? Thank you for listening to the end. And I want to ask you a really quick favor. Could you take two seconds right now, literally right now, to just leave a rating on this podcast? And if you're feeling extra generous, write a one sentence review. It really helps more people like you to find this show. You are awesome. I'll see you next time.